millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Bring, bring it bring it to the bay. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm John McKenzie. I am a Leeds fan, and I run All Stats, Aren't We?, which is a Leeds uh, media outlet that focuses on stats and tactics. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a Swedish website called lfcsv.se. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. I figure we'll start off a little selfishly with Tottenham. Uh, We, of course, had a segment about Tottenham earlier this week with Steve Magookin, um, but I kind of wanted to follow on that conversation with with people that might be slightly less biased than Steve and myself. It's now been a year of Mourinho at Tottenham, and in this same week, Tottenham beat Manchester City and also have now sat first, entering a day for the first time since 2014. So it has been a while. It'll be another day now with Liverpool beating Leicester. Um, But on the Mourinho point, I was curious to hear from you guys what you've seen uh, from Mourinho in his first year at Tottenham. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think... um... It's it's one of those ones where you feel as though the the table perhaps is is favouring Spurs at the moment. We've seen a lot of the top six, the classic top six sides not really performing, and um, Spurs obviously have been playing um, quite well at the outset of the season, so it's it's certainly looking good for them. Obviously, they're top of the table, um, and I guess the, the the big question is is how much you think Spurs are actually overperforming their underlying numbers at the moment. And uh, for me, you know, we, we, we all saw the numbers going around yesterday of the last two games that Spurs have played against City at New White Hart Lane or whatever we call it these days. Um, not very many shots for, but um, uh, four goals and many shots against, but non-conceded. So um, th- that may simply be the case that, you know, Mourinho has found the best way to play Pep. Guardiola's sides I, I suspect that's probably partly it but also there's a, a, a fair amount of luck in there as well I think the big question like you said in the question is um, you know the the run that they've got coming up is is going to be the, the big question for me uh, yeah from from what I've seen I think he strengthened Spurs defense a lot and got them, got them to play really good on the counter-attack and um, that is one of the main reasons for the good results against the Manchester teams to me and he's gotten the best out of Kane and Son and uh, that is very important for a team like Tottenham. If you look at the tactics, team selection, the thing that stands out to me is that he has not used uh, Dele Alli at all. But uh, of course, a lot of people have written and talked about that already, but it has worked out very, very well for Mourinho. And I think that Ali has struggled a bit in the past seasons and uh, not developed in the way that you thought it would do a few years ago. Um, I guess Mourinho has seen something in him that he doesn't like and that he's not afraid to show that in his selections. Uh, I think Mourinho looks a bit more relaxed now than he did when he was at United and Chelsea. It's not like he maybe he doesn't feel the same pressure as he used to do. And um, he still likes to give the media headlines, of course, but in overall, I think he has toned that, down, toned that bit down as well. 
Uh, I think we'll see many teams in the title race this season, and Spurs will probably be up there, but mainly because of the injuries and the tight schedule in the Premier League, it will be hard for any team to do what it takes to run away at the top of the table because it's hard to play well when you play every three days. Uh, Spurs has a way to play now that could work out well against the other top opponents. You saw that against City the other day, even if they were a bit lucky to, to win the game. City didn't create as many goal-scoring opportunities. So I think that we get quite a lot of points out of those games, but it will be interesting to see what happens to Spurs when uh, they need to play the teams on the bottom half and if they can keep grinding out results like they did against West Bromwich a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think some excellent points from you there. And John, to your point about has Mourinho just decided this is the way to beat Guardiola, it, it made me hearken back to uh, that like first Premier League year where everybody was like, if you have possession, you win. And that just became mm-hmm. the, the default opinion. And Mourinho uh, at the time was quoted as saying, uh, basically, if you have the ball, you're the one that can make mistakes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that is somewhat what, what he was going for. And while the shot differential was massive, Tottenham blocked a lot of them rather than just being mm-hmm. on the receiving end of, of clean shots at Hugo, who I think only had two saves, although very needed <laughs> in those situations. Um, but I think that's a very fair point. And, and both of you brought up the difficult uh, schedule that's coming up for Tottenham where they'll be tested. Chelsea, Arsenal, Palace, Liverpool, Leicester, and Wolves takes us through Boxing Day. How do you think Tottenham will fare over that stretch? And do you think they will still be in this kind of, will they have a chance at the title conversation at the back end of that? It's hard to know just how good uh, Spurs are at the moment because it feels as though the only sort of top top half of the table side they've really played has been Man City so far. They did play against Southampton, obviously, and uh, uh, sorry, um, Everton, and they lost to them. But um, I think it will we'll learn a lot from them because I think you can, you know, you can sit back against teams like um, uh, City and, and pull off a result. But the big question is whether or not you can do that week in, week out against some of these top sides. Um, what's in their favour is that if you look at some of those sides now, they're they're not at the best um, that they've that they've ever been. Uh, Chelsea have got obviously a stacked squad, uh, but but there still remain questions about how Frank Lampard gets them playing. Arsenal, as we saw today, uh, are very hit and miss. Um, they feel very sort of conservative, um, and and don't give away a huge amount of chances, but also don't create a huge amount of chances. Um, Liverpool, obviously, are the, are the team to beat. But you look at those other teams, Leicester, Wolves and Palace, all of whom, again, Leeds have, have lost to um, recently. They, those are tough teams to break down. And, you know, they, they are all going to be teams who are more likely to sit back, absorb pressure and then try and hit on the break. And those are the teams that, that, um, that Spurs have been struggling with this season. So in a weird sort of twist, it's it, for me, it's it's going to be a question of those three teams rather than the the sort of classic top six sides that are in that run that is really going to cause some problems. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I agree. I think that uh, I think the Spurs will be among the top teams come Boxing Day, but uh, uh, it's the games against the team a bit in the middle on the bot and the bottom half that will be the problem for Spurs because. We could see against City they can they can do the counter attack and I think at least against Arsenal maybe against Chelsea they will get a lot of chances to counter attack and score in that that way. But um, Crystal Palace and Wolves they won't give this give away the same areas so um, that will be tough games for uh, Tottenham and I think we play Tottenham at home and uh, I think today was the 65th game in a row that we didn't lose so. 
you won't get an easy game at Anfield, even though our squad gets thinner for every game. Yeah, and I do think that that is an aspect to all this is the fact that, you know, Liverpool are dealing with so many in- injuries and the COVID diagnosis of Salah, obviously City losing uh, Ake to injury on international duty, Aguero and, and Sterling still fighting their way back to fitness. So we're in a pretty positive position right now, but I think it would be foolish for Tottenham fans to think that we're just going to get away with that all year and not that we will ourselves have to face injuries and COVID issues at some point this season. Uh, on the other side of that win yesterday, of course, was Manchester City. Uh, their manager, Pep Guardiola, signing a two-year contract earlier this week despite having those struggles that have plagued the club thus far this season. Were you surprised that he was given and signed that new contract? I don't know if I was surprised. I, um, you know, everyone knows that Guardiola is a good manager, and yes, the I think there have been niggling doubts in the last probably six months or or so of the of of, the, of, of recent times of questions about the way that his team deal with defensive transition, uh, in particular. But you know, I think City very much feel as though they're at a bit of a crossroads now, and this two-year contract extension almost feels as though they've sat down and said to him. We'll give you the chance to rebuild a team. Uh, you'll get a couple of seasons to do it, including this one. Um, that that gives you enough time to sort of um, really have a sort of Guardiola Mark II at City and, and see where we go from there. So I wasn't particularly um, surprised by that. And I think it's actually, it will be quite, I think the Premier League in maybe two, two seasons time will be quite fun if we have both City and Liverpool attempting to sort of rebuild their their squads into, into again, another one of those title challenging uh, sides that that can really put on a show and and will beat everyone. So I, I think that in the long run it's going to be a good thing. Uh, I have to say I was a bit surprised to see him sign the new contract because uh, he hasn't looked very happy in the past month and uh, they have they have gotten a bit worse by season and uh, last season wasn't very good for them and they have struggled at the start of this season as well. So I thought that they might uh, they might look for an, uh, a new manager. Um, the first thought for me when I saw that he had signed a new, new contract was that they had promised to sign Messi for him. After all, the discussions that were last summer. So maybe they have a have something in hand for him come this summer because uh, City needs to do a few things in the upcoming transfer windows if they want to get back on top of the table. Because now they look, uh, as I said, they look a bit tired. Guardiola doesn't. It doesn't doesn't look like he enjoys. The game as much as he did when he came to England so maybe maybe they got something new in hand for him yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how how things go after signing this contract in the middle of kind of a tempestuous period although as both of you point out he is a fairly good manager it might just kind of be a bad spell for him at the moment uh outside of like the injuries and the COVID stuff what have you guys seen that, that you think has gone wrong for them this year I've already mentioned um defensive transition and that's always going to be a, an issue with a Guardiola team they're going to be try going to try and maintain high levels of possession they're going to push high up the pitch and then they're going to have a, a fairly aggressive counter press as soon as they lose the ball I mean you're always going to be uh, open to to breaks at, at speed by by oppositions and you know that's what we saw um yesterday with Mourinho exploiting that um I guess Again, the other thing that, I mean, I'm a Leeds fan, you know, we've been watching Leeds do this for the last couple of seasons in the championship. You know, when you dominate possession uh, and you have that high press in a bid to win it back after you lose it, you, you're always at the at the mercy of, of the XG gods, as it were. And um, I feel as though 
it it's one of those things where I think when it doesn't work, it's very, very frustrating and, and everyone can kind of say, well, you know, um, Guardiola sides look good. They, they maintain possession of the ball. They often dominate other sides, but at the end of the day, it's, it is the scoreline that, that matters. And um, we saw that yesterday with Spurs scoring two goals from, from four chances. It's something we saw a lot happening at Leeds as well, where we would concede a lot of, like we would, our conversion rates um, for chances conceded was really, really high. And um, I think what, what Guardiola will have to be thinking is, you know, this is just, we're just being unlucky at the moment. We're creating chances and they're not going in, but there will be some kind of reversion at some point. Um, so I think it's a combination of that with uh, missing, obviously, Vincent Kompany uh, leaving as a big part of that. Um, and the, the questions are whether or not Ruben Diaz can can fill in that, that spot. I suppose as well, losing David Silva has been massive for them, which is why before I talked about uh, rebuilding the side, they need to find someone who can be a creative outlet alongside Kevin De Bruyne because... I think everyone knows how great uh, Kevin De Bruyne is, and and uh, with the fact that they have that that one um, creative outlet at the moment, like, teams are, are making a big effort to to sort of smother him in games. Obviously, there is the players like uh, Bernardo Silva and, and Phil Foden who will, I think, grow into those roles. But we've they've they've missed um, Bernardo Silva for a while. Phil Foden's been in and out, so I think it's just a. a, a uh, a confluence of various factors which have just all come to a head and I think with a few more signings and um, and maybe a few tactical tweaks here and there I think they'll be back no problem yeah I agree and uh, one of the main things for me is that they, they look really tired especially Kevin De Bruyne looks like he he really needs uh, a rest and as you mentioned they've been hurt by injuries both Aguero and Jesus have been out Sterling and Mares hasn't really got started this season and that has led to a bad start and uh, I also think that we could see last season as well that they haven't really been able to replace the old players. They miss Vincent Kompany a lot in the defence. I think they miss the old Fernandinho in midfield, who they played mainly as uh, in the defence mm. last season. They surely miss David Silva's creativity. And I also think that they miss Sergio Aguero because he's not the same player as he was a few years ago. He struggles a bit with his fitness. And when he plays, it's not the same player that, that scored every time he played Liverpool, Liverpool a few years ago. Of course, they're still a world-class team and uh, they can be top of the table when the season ends. But the main thing now is that they need to get Kevin De Bruyne back to form because he's the one player that makes them stand out as one of the best teams in Europe. And he has been complaining about the lack of vacation in public. And when you watch him play now, it's not the same power in his actions. I think the penalty against us says a lot. A player who is mentally stable and strong at his best doesn't miss the goal in the way that Kevin De Bruyne did. I was sure that he would score and it wasn't it wasn't even close. So it's impossible for a player to get a rest this season. So maybe maybe the best thing for City is that to need to hope for a, a small injury on Kevin De Bruyne so that he can get a rest for a few weeks and maybe gain a bit of more uh, mental strength to come back and be the player that he was last season. Because as long as he plays the way he does now, I don't think that they can catch the teams at the top. Yeah, it'll definitely take some doing to get them around. Obviously, getting all those players back fit and in form will go a very, very long way. I'm just not sure it'll turn around the way that all of us are thinking it will. And this is only coming off the back of last season as a Tottenham supporter, where there were just a lot of bad luck bounces. Um, the Leicester match in particular comes to mind, where 
we we were introduced to the armpit offside then lesser got a soft penalty and instead of us winning 2-0 we ended up losing 2-1 and it really felt like the beginning of the end for Pochettino and I think that's why I was surprised by the contract thing is it feels like that just kind of confluence of bad luck is is befalling them at the moment and a lot of times that can run a manager out of town but instead they doubled down so credit to the ownership for thinking that he is the person to get them back out of the situation that they're in right now but We'll see whether or not that ends up working. Obviously, the talent in the squad and the talent in the manager's chair, uh, not really in question here. Um, Speaking of managers, I just wanted to touch real quick on Sheffield United. Uh, Obviously, they lose again today. We talked about Chris Wilder earlier in the season, and kind of the consensus was even if they go down with him, you stick with him because he's brought you up all these levels. He'd probably still be one of the best managers in the championship. But while we're talking about bad luck and, and a manager struggling to turn things around at the moment. How do we feel about Sheffield United, who currently sit on just one point? Sheffield United are a really interesting one, aren't they? Because um, they, they had such a, a good season last season, uh, and they they very much looked as though they were comfortable Premier League, um, uh, comfortable Premier League side. And it's this season, it's just not gone right for them at all um, from, from the off. I don't know why that's the case necessarily. It's... Um, it almost reminds me a little bit of um, when Huddersfield came up and they had a fairly decent first season and then the next season they just couldn't get going at all. Whether or not that's because Wilder's tactics have, have been found out, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, they obviously really struggle with scoring goals at the moment, which is a really trite thing to say. But um, when, when I guess when everything isn't going your way and, and your strikers really aren't performing, then then you're in real trouble in, in, in the Premier League and they don't really have anyone outside of their uh, forward line who's putting goals in and that's, that's really impacting them. Um, I still feel as though they'll probably have some kind of turnaround in form at some point this season. They've got a bit of a, a nasty run at the moment, but I do think it's a matter of time before you, something goes their way for a bit. And, um, you know, it, it should be, <laughs> there's so many teams down there at the moment that are, that are struggling. Um, I noticed someone the other day, maybe yesterday, just suggesting that Fulham, at the rate that we're going, are going to stay up with 17 points uh, on the board, which, which <laughs> seems wild. So it's, it's definitely going to be a, it's, Again, like we were talking about at the top of the table, where it may be a low-scoring season for in terms of the championship-winning side, uh, it, it probably will be a low-scoring um, season for the the team that eventually stays up and, and will get finishes in seventeenth. So, I, I do think that Sheffield United will be the beneficiaries of that. I do think that all it will take is a little bit of a run of form, and um, and and they'll be they'll be okay. They just had a hor- horrible um, few games, haven't they? They've they've played against some of the bigger sides, and West Ham United, we're currently finding, are a tough team to beat in this in this division so i think the, the big question is going to come when they when that easier run of form comes and if they can pull some some points off in in that easier run that when it comes then i think they should be okay uh well i haven't seen Sheffield united play that many games this season but when we played them maybe a month ago i was impressed by the way that they play and we were lucky to win that one and after the game i talked to a fellow liverpool supporter and we both said that we were sure that they that Sheffield united would stay up because they are a strong physical team they just right now they've got a problem to score goals and of course that's quite an important thing if you want to win football games last season of course they are overperformed when it comes quite before the season that they would go down but uh, they looked really good and maybe maybe a few of the premier league teams were surprised in the way they played the strong defense and uh, chris wilder did a great job last season so i'm i think even though they go down he will stay because 
he's the kind of manager uh, manager that I I think can take them up again in in a few years time. Uh, they signed Ryan Brewster from us to solve the goal scoring. Paid a lot of money for a player who hasn't played a lot in the, the Premier League, so it was a bit of a gamble to sign him. I think it, it was good for us because we got a lot of money for him, but uh, maybe they would have been better off with a more uh, experienced player up front because it's hard for a young player to be the man to rely on for a team at the bottom of the table and needs to score goals. So I'm not sure that they will stay up now because they're still on one point and then a really bad run. It's hard to turn that kind of runs around. So they, they need to get a result in the upcoming games if they want to stay up and not to fall so far behind because we saw yesterday Brighton got a win and uh, Fulham has started to play a bit better so they need to get going soon if they want to have a chance to stay in the Premier League and then um, we're coming into November we're soon in December and it's a lot of games so if the form starts to come um, when the games is almost every three days maybe they have a chance to stay up but uh, my money now would be a bet on them uh, finishing last. Yeah, it's certainly the pace they're on at the moment. You both mentioned when they get to a nicer run of form, we'll, we'll see if they can turn things around. That is coming relatively soon. They have West Brom, obviously, uh, this weekend. And then their back half of December, I think, is where they're really going to hope to pick up points, where they have Brighton, Everton, probably not, but Burnley, Palace, and Newcastle. But then that yields for another terrible run of Tottenham, United, City, Chelsea in four out of five. So it's it's uh, it's hard looking at their schedule considering how they're playing and looking at where the wins come from. I think with the managerial style, maybe Wilder can pull some magic and get some of those. But at the moment, things are certainly looking rough. But maybe he'll get the patience uh, that was shown to Pep by the uh, board at Manchester City. And of course, worth noting again that Wilder was the people's favorite <laughs> to be manager of the year last year after what he achieved with Sheffield United pushing them uh, up into the battle for those European spots for so long of the season. All right, we'll wrap up talking about our individual clubs. And I'm just wondering if there's anything uh, interesting about how your team has been playing this season thus far that neutrals may have not caught on to yet. That's an interesting question. I don't I don't know whether or not this counts, but it feels as though a lot of people are complaining about how bad Leeds' defense are. Um, and not really focusing on maybe some deficiencies in attack. Um, I, I'm actually much less worried about the defending than I am about us going forward. And that was um, all brought to a head today when we struggled to break down 10-man Arsenal for a good 30 minutes at least on, on the field today. So that will be the thing that I talk, uh, that would talk about in terms of the thing that may maybe not as evident to the neutrals. Uh, well, when it comes to Liverpool... There aren't many, not many news. Of course, we changed formations for a few games, but uh, not many things that uh, isn't evident to neutral viewers. The main thing for us has, of course, been all the injuries in the past week. And uh, the injury to Van Dijk changed a lot in the, in the way that we play because that forced us to use Fabinho at the back four. And then he got injured, so we had to build some new kind of defense with the players who were fit. Uh, when we changed the formation, it was a way for us to get more players close to our own goal. Uh, maybe it led a bit to that um, our fullbacks, Alexander Arnold and Robertson, was a bit more defensive than they have been before because we had unexperienced defenders in both Phillips and Rhys Williams for a few games and uh, maybe we couldn't be as offensive at the back as we usually be. Uh, apart from that, not many 
there's a lot of news about the way we play this season. Uh, the thing that hurts as a Liverpool supporter the most is that we didn't get to see our starting eleven even once this season. The closest thing we saw was the start against Everton. The only player we had injured at the time was Alisson, and that was the best 10 minutes of the season. We scored a goal, could have scored another goal, and then the VAR decision, and uh, we had the injury to the Van Dijk, and then the injury to Thiago, and since then we had to change a lot. So I'm really looking forward to see how we're going to use Thiago, because in that game we started Fabinho, Thiago, and Henderson at the midfield, and it's it would be really interesting to see how we're going to build a midfield around those three players because to me they're in the same position. And it, it looked really good against Everton, but it, as I said, it was only for 10 minutes. So maybe in a couple of weeks we'll see how Klopp really wants this team to play when Thiago is fit because it's, it's a, evident that he Thiago was an important signing for Klopp. And um, when he can use him more, maybe we'll see some some uh, news around the way that Liverpool plays. Gotcha. Well, we'll certainly keep an eye on all of those things as the season develops. Uh, now we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with more club-specific questions for each of our guests. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, and we are back. John, we'll start off with you. Obviously, a scintillating match this morning. So a lot of people talking about how Leeds were playing like Arsenal are supposed to play or, or think that they play. Uh, you wind up not being able to manage the win, but it was yet another impressive performance from Leeds. Is there any disappointment that the performances aren't bringing all of the results yet? Or is it just enough that you're playing this well in the Premier League? Yeah, I think with Leeds, what's so interesting about them is that they play football in such a different way to uh, the other clubs in in the division that I think maybe we struggle to accurately um, understand when Leeds are hard done by and when they're not. Sometimes we see results that don't seem to be fair on them or we'll see them play really well against sides like Liverpool and uh, and City and not come away with three points. Um, so I, I do think that there's a, a, an element to which you, you, we often look at the games and think, well, Leeds created a few chances, uh, but they also shipped a few chances. So it, a lot of it's just people coming to terms with the way that, that Leeds are. Um, I think that this season has been pretty much on where I expected us to be. There's been, I think, only one disappointment really so far, and that was the Crystal Palace game. I think in all the other games, 
if push came to shove before we came up and we and we said this is how the season was going to go, I would say I'm really happy with the way their games have gone. But the, I think the Palace game was was really the one where I felt as though uh, we let ourselves down a little bit. Um, we were very unlucky. Um, we we shipped four goals against about one uh, expected goal. So there was clearly something going on there. But at the same time, you know, Palace are one of those sides where you're kind of thinking if we're going to look solid, a solid mid-table team, you really want to be beating uh, or causing at least some problems to Palace. And they really, uh, I think they really neutralised us quite well. They pressed us quite heavily in wide areas, which I think is a good approach when you're playing against Leeds. Um, we've seen a lot of teams who play 3-4-3 three, three, um, adopt that approach. So um, in that respect, I think, um, I was a little bit well I wasn't disappointed in Arsenal obviously because it's great that they weren't playing away that was going to cause us any problems but they play a 3-4-3 they changed it up today uh, and I was quite pleased that they did that so yeah I think today was uh, today was frustrating insofar as you know we did enough to to come away with all three points and it and it didn't come around but at the same time after losing two games for one in, in a row it's quite nice to consolidate take the, take the point take a, a good result against Arsenal who Again, before the season started, you would take a, a point from Arsenal. So um, in many respects, it's sort of um, it's just nice to see Leeds in the Premier League again, causing uh, people to to turn their heads and watch games because they're fun and, and also causing problems for teams that you would generally consider to be sort of top six sides um, in, in other seasons. So I think everything's going fine this season. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to pay full attention to that match as I was working on something, but it seems like every time I looked up, Click was doing something or his name was being called out and I was looking up. How fundamental is he for you in midfield? Yeah, he's a really important player. He's um he's playing in, in the sort of creative fulcrum of the team at the moment. And we play it generally a sort of four one, four one with two um sort of free eights, so city ish um kind of players. And um we had Stuart Dallas in there today and and who's obviously not a very creative player and, um, and Mateusz Klick. So a, a lot of the creativity falls down to him. Um, he fits in the system perfectly. He's a really interesting player. And in, so far as, you know, he was almost out of the door at one point and was brought in because of, uh, well, because of transfers and injuries before the first game of Bielsa's uh, tenure at the club. And he's, played in pretty much every game since and there's one game where he didn't play in because he was too hungover after we got promoted last season uh, but apart from that he's been ever present and um yeah he's just a really important really important player and um against palace the week before when we had the goal that wasn't a goal and then the goal that was a goal both of those were were created by click and and that's just a testament to how important he is in in the midfield areas for us gotcha and then wrapping up talking about leads we talked to sheffield united earlier down there and they're Four or five clubs that, that are on very, very few points. I assume that with the performances and the points you have picked up that you're not really worried about being dragged into that conversation this season? Yeah, I think so. As long as we don't, we have quite a squad. Bielsa likes to ha keep his, his squad fairly uh, short because he doesn't like to just sort of have players who he feels as though are sitting around. Um, so short of a, an injury crisis at some point, I think we'll be fine. Um, we're definitely better than I think most, of the at least three of the teams at the bottom of the table. So uh, unless some kind of crisis um, happens upon us, then I think we'll be absolutely fine. Awesome. Well, certainly good luck with that. Thomas, coming to you now to talk about Liverpool. It finally happened. Roberto Firmino scored an honest-to-God Premier League <laughs> goal. There have been a lot of calls to drop him from the side and play Jota instead. Obviously, both played together today, uh, and, and the former still managed to get his goal. How impactful is it for him, and do you think it'll help the attack in general at Liverpool? 
Yeah, um, Firmino hasn't started this season very well, and he, he didn't score as many goals as he usually do last season, uh, last season as well. So I think it was really important for him to score today, and uh, it, it it took a, a bit too long time because he missed a, a lot of clear clear chances, um, especially in the that, second like, half. That like double yeah, save the, one that uh, went off the post. Oh my gosh! Uh, one of them I started to celebrate, but ah. Uh, but uh, in the end, he scored, and uh, of course it's important to him. But as Klopp has said many times, it's not the goal scoring that's the most important part of Firmino's play because he links the midfield to the attack in a way that nobody in the team can do. And uh, we have missed that part as well at the start of this season. But today, we could see a bit of the, the old Firmino, especially in the first 15 minutes. He was uh, he looked like we have, we have been used to see him when he picked up passes to both Mane and uh, Jota in a very good way. But um, as you said, it's, it's hard to keep uh, Diogo Jota out of the starting eleven because uh, he has, this was the, the fourth straight home game that he scored and uh, he was the ma- man of the match for me today. So we, we need to start him. Now that Salah is out, it's easy for Klopp to make the decision because um, then he can't play. But when, when he's back, I think, we'll, I think we'll more and more see the... Formation where um, they all four, well, they, he play all four of them because Firmino can drop back a bit and Salah can play up front and then we can have Jota and Mane on the sides, especially when Thiago is back. I think that the club will try to use that formation. But uh, Firmino, if we keep play with the three up front, Firmino needs to score a bit more goals and that especially needs to do the link up plays that he does so good because um, he has looked a bit tired at the start of the season. He has lost the ball in ball in a, in a difficult positions in a way that he doesn't do usually. So hopefully he is back to his best soon because uh, we will need him. He's since Klopp arrived, he has been a, one of one of the most important players we've had. He's played in almost every game when he's fit, and uh, yeah, we need Roberto Firmino at his best if we want to win the title this season as well. So hopefully. This will make his confidence a bit better. But uh, as long as he uh, can make the attack work in the way that he did uh, during last season, I'm not really concerned that he doesn't score. But of course, it doesn't. A few more goals than he scored last season wouldn't be wouldn't be bad because we need to score goals now that the defense is, leaks a bit more than it did last season. The, a few weeks ago, there wasn't any team in the Premier League who had conceded more goals than us. So we need to score a lot of goals this season. And uh, if he if he can manage to get 10-15, it would be very, very important to us. Yeah, and certainly no disrespect to uh, Origi or Jordan Shakiri, but having Jota as the fourth attacking option when everyone's fit is definitely a step up. Uh, obviously a, a pricey price tag, but certainly looking worth it, as you mentioned, the four goals in four thus far. Uh, we were pseudo-joking, but mostly just eulogizing the fact that so many Liverpool players have been hurt. Naby Keita, the newest on the list after today's match. For those that aren't in the know or paying that much attention to Liverpool at the moment, which players are still out? Which ones are coming back? Where are we at injury-wise? And, and how long will it be until Liverpool get back to anything that looks like their best eleven? Well, uh, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to remember every play, but we can start off with both Van Dijk and Gomez is probably out for most of the season, so we can count them out. Um, Thiago should be fit next weekend, but um, they have said that Thiago should be fit next weekend for a month, so I'm not sure about uh, <laughs> his injury because 
I think the club must have done something wrong when they were, when they looked at the injury for the first time because they said that it wasn't wasn't anything serious and now it's been out for a long time and um, yeah, hopefully next week. Uh, Henderson got injured in the international break. Uh, shouldn't be too serious. Maybe can be back next weekend. Alexander Arnold, maybe a couple of weeks away. Salah, it's um, COVID virus, so I think he can play next weekend. So they start to come back. Uh, a few of the players. It's it's the defense that's going to be a, a trouble during the season with um, both Gomez and uh, Van Dijk out. That leaves us with Matip as the only centre back, and uh, he is very injury prone. So. I'm a bit scared that he will um, that he will uh, get injured during this time of the season when we play every three days. Um, but it it will probably look a bit brighter in a couple of weeks. Now Keita is injured, and as we know with Keita, when he gets injured, he will be out for a couple of months. And um, I think that his time at Liverpool is starting to run out because every time that we see him get a chance to start, he gets injured, and. Um, he should have he should have been uh, a more consistent Liverpool player now since he's been at the club for quite a long time. Uh, today also we saw that Shakiri that was out injured and the club hasn't spoke about how serious injury that was, but I guess we'll see in the in the upcoming days. Rhys Williams, our young centre back, was also out injured today and he will probably hopefully be fit on Wednesday when we play Champions League because. Uh, Nat Phillips can't play in the Champions Leagues, and uh, it wouldn't be good if we need to play both Fabinho and Matip again on Wednesday, since Matip is injury-prone and Fabinho has been out for a month and just came back today. So we need to rest at least one of them on Wednesday. So it's starting to brighten up, but as as long as we have this, this many injuries, we need to play a lot of players, maybe a bit more than than what is good for them. And Andrew Robertson has played every minute so far this season, uh, apart from a, a few games. And I'm a bit scared that he will break some because he's got an injury in the internationals. And even though we got injured in one game, he played 90 minutes for the game in the game after. He played 90 minutes today. So hopefully Klopp will rest him on Wednesday and uh, use our new signing, Simikas, for the first time because um, I'm a bit worried about Robertson's fitness. Yeah, he never looks tired, but uh, at some some point, even his body is going to break. Yeah, the the Keita one's interesting. It, it seemed like such a coup when you guys managed to sign him and that he was going to kind of revolutionize and be the future of your midfield, and it just hasn't seemingly come off. But as you say, in the short term, at least you're probably getting uh, Thiago and Henderson back to fill his void in the short term. Uh, just wrapping up, obviously seeing Pep get his contract brought questions about Klopp and what he's going to do after his contract expires. He He's continued to state that he'll finish out the last two years and then probably take a break. He did reject the German national team <laughs> this week after rumors after that uh, drubbing that they caught over the international break. But how do you feel about Klopp's long-term tenure at Liverpool? Do you think he'll take that year and then come back to Liverpool? Or do you think it really is just these kind of uh, two years and then he'll ride off into the proverbial footballing sunset? Well, um, I think that Klopp will, uh, he will stay um, for the end of his contract and then he will uh, he will look for something else. Maybe take a year off and uh, maybe maybe do something else for a while because he has spoken about that football. The, it's hard for him to, to be managed because it takes a lot of time and it, 
takes a lot of thinking, takes a lot of time away from the family. So I wouldn't be surprised if he stopped managing for a, for a few years. Of course, if I if I got to choose, I could have him at Liverpool for for the rest of his life because he's been so extremely important to us. But just thinking back on what we were before Klopp arrived, it's uh, it's almost impossible to think that he would have such an impact on uh, on our club. So the day he leaves will be a very sad day for Liverpool. But hopefully it's uh, it's a few years away and. Uh, Maybe Steven Gerrard can get a few year, more years under his belt before Klopp's, Klopp uh, signs off at Liverpool. Yeah, why not just have all 20 clubs have former club <laughs> legends be their managers? Uh, if I if I were advising Klopp, I would recommend doing the Dakar Rally, which uh, Andre Villas-Boas was asked what his like career goal was, and he said it was to win the Dakar Rally and had nothing to do with football. Anyway, he went there, went to Russia. Now he's back in France, and he's doing a great job. So if Klopp wants to take another step up in his managerial abilities, maybe just drive around in the desert for a bit <laughs> and, then, and then come back from there. Uh, all right, we'll go to player watch next where i'm curious as to which player at your club has been the most pleasant surprise thus far this season i guess i've got to say pat bamford because uh, everyone is talking about how pat bamford is now um the player that uh, everyone said that he wouldn't ever be and he's doing that in the premier league um on our channel we've been we've been bigging up pat bamford for Two, two seasons now because um, obviously we are in a situation where um, we've seen um, th- him underperform his uh, expected goals for season on season, missing chances. A lot of the fan base got frustrated with him, um, and we're um, yeah looking look we were we're looking forward to maybe getting a new striker in this season and um, uh, and and seeing how he could do. But uh, we've we've always said Pat Pat Manford does more than uh, is expected of him in the in the team. Um, and yeah, it's proven to be that way. So it's been great. It's been great seeing him hit the levels that we've all been saying that he can hit. Um, and uh, he, I think a lot of people have, have been quite surprised at uh, Pat Bamford being good in, in the Premier League. And he has a lot of really unique shot attempts that I, I'm just really fascinated by. I'm sure you saw it today when he was just basically standing still and tried to lift it with his left foot rather than trying to reposition his body. I'm not sure yet if I think it's good or bad, um, but it, it's a really <laughs> unique style of play, and it obviously has worked more often than not thus far this season. Uh, Thomas, coming to Liverpool, who has been your most pleasant surprise this year? Well, um, I have to go with Diogo Jota. Uh, he hit the ground running when he signed for us, and he has already scored three game-winning goals. He scored again today, and uh, he looks like he's born to play in a club team. And there are already people who are arguing that he should be starting for us ahead of Firmino, as we said earlier. Uh, I liked what I saw from Jota when uh, he played for Wolves and was satisfied when we signed him, but I could never in my <laughs> I could I could never think that he was going to be this good this early in his time at Liverpool because one thing that is very common when Klopp signs a new player is that they very they rarely play a lot during the first months. Van Dijk played from the start, but we've seen players like Fabinho and Robertson sit on the bench for a long time just to get to know the way that Klopp wants them to play. And I thought that we would see a similar development with Jota, but uh, he didn't need that. He's, he scored against Arsenal and he just he can't stop scoring. And he's not just a goal scorer. He, he uh, he uh, has started to press in the way that Liverpool players does, and he's uh, linked together with Firmino today. He linked together with James Milner in an amazing way in the first half today. So he has gotten to 
feels like a Liverpool player, even though we just came here. So he has been a really pleasant surprise. And uh, I want to give an honor and mention to Sheridan Shakiri as well, because I never thought that I would see him play for us again. But he has done it a few times this season and he has done uh, really well. Now, of course, he's injured again, which is one of his big problems since he signed for us because he is rarely available. But he looked he has looked fit this season at the start and uh, he scored a goal in, uh, in the League Cup and he made a few assists. So he has played very well in the games that he has played. So it's, uh, it's sad to see him injured again. It's the same problem as we have with Keita, that when we need them, we, we can't use them. And um, Shakir is a top player on his day. And now that he has gained confidence, he has played better and better for every game. And now he's out again. And uh, probably we won't see him for a couple of weeks. So it's a bit sad, but he, he deserves an honorary mention here. But the main, the main man, of course, is uh, Diogo Jota. Yeah, well, now I feel bad for slighting uh, <laughs> Shakiri a little bit earlier, but uh, we move on. And, and then, like you said, uh, it's going to be Jota playing that role for, for some time, especially with that injury. All right, we'll wrap up with match previews. We'll stick with you, Thomas. Obviously, Champions League football midweek against Atalanta, who have not really impressed this year the way they did last. No, this will be an interesting game because we have to rest a few players. We are almost certain to go through to the next round. We have um, we have won every game so far, and we played both Ajax and Atalanta away. So um, I think we should be safe either way uh, after this game. We beat them quite easily, away, very easily away. And the, it would be a surprise to see, see them be as naive as they were at their home ground this time, because they gave us they gave us an opportunity to play counter-attack that we haven't been that we haven't seen in many years. It was almost like they hadn't seen Liverpool play with Mani and Salah before. Um, if we start our best eleven, I think we'll beat them quite comfortably. But I hope that we rest a few players, especially one out of Fabinho, Fabinho and Matip, so that uh, we don't get any more injuries at the, at the back. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I also hope that we rest um, Robertson. Uh, a few of the players up front could do with the rest as well, but it also depends on who are fit to play. I read that Salah might be ready to play on Wednesday. He uh, showed a negative test a few days ago, but it's he needs to be in quarantine for a few days and so. So I, I'm not sure that he can play, but if he can play, maybe it's time for Mania to get a rest because he played in the internationals as well. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we missed 10 players today, after today. And that doesn't make it easier when you want to play players to get a rest. And um, this is a game that we can afford to lose. Of course, if we win, we are safe to go through and can rest players against Midtjylland and then Ajax in the upcoming two games. Uh, I hope that we win this game, and um, maybe we can put on, we can rest a few players, but still have uh, have a strong team so that we can beat Atalanta. But because we could see when we played them away that we are a much better team than they are. So hopefully we can get a narrow win at home and be uh, through to the next round. All right. Well, best of luck with that. And then, John, talking to you next about Leeds, you have Everton coming up, which people might think is daunting, but you've actually fared pretty well against teams a bit higher up in the table this season. Obviously, that thriller against Liverpool to open the season, the draw with City, the draw with Arsenal. Are you confident heading into this one as well? 
Yeah, I think this should be a really good game. I think if there's anything that we know about Marcelo Bielsa's approach to football, it's that he gets his teams exploiting space, um, working oppositions around and, and trying to get overloads in certain areas where his players can really um, make uh, a, a real mark on the game. We saw that uh, already today against Arsenal. And interestingly, after Arsenal went down to 10 men, Arsenal dropped a little bit deeper and, and Leeds really struggled to break them down. So I think that explains the difference between playing teams towards the top and, and bottom of the table. Just the, the play style suits us a lot more when, when teams are going to be more open and, and come out at us. And we saw today Everton playing against Fulham and going up uh, so early in that game. Um, we're still willing to come out, but uh, they allowed Fulham back in because they, they aren't going to sit deep and, and defend. So I think that this should be a really fun game and it should really play to Leeds strengths uh, tactically awesome well I do definitely think a lot of people will be tuning into that one and they can now because pay-per-view is dead uh and we will wrap up <laughs> on that very positive note uh, if you'd like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on now would be a good time so you can find me on twitter at john underscore mckenzie that's j-o-n not j-o-h-n um and there's an a between the m and the c in my name as well so absolute nightmare when it comes to to being found on Twitter. <laughs> um, in terms of the lead side of things, if you want to find a, a sort of tactical stats approach to analysis, then head over to All Stats, aren't we? We've got loads of stuff up over there, so hopefully you'll enjoy that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for a website called lfcsv.se. Most of it is in Swedish, but we have a few segments in English as well, especially for the games. Uh, I also run a Swedish podcast called the Total Liverpool Podcast. So if there are any Swedish listeners, you can uh, find it on uh, most of the places where you can find a podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevrov. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable, where you can also find the championship show at Championship Pod. So just look up all of those on all of your podcasting things. and You'll certainly find us. Uh, that'll do it for us today, though. Thanks again to you two so much for joining us and folks at home. We hope you keep listening. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.